how do I is this thing what am I am I re recording what huh? hello and welcome to episode three of the strength lab podcast with me Hugh Davis today we are going to talk everything about programming programming for CrossFit and programming for athletes as well the first thing I should mention is that this is specific to me uh, and is specific to my process. There'll be other coaches, there'll be other ways of programming CrossFit. Um, this is what I believe to be the most successful way of doing it. The first thing we should really look at is really what do we define CrossFit as? When we talk about CrossFit as being constantly varied functional movement performed at high intensity, and we talk about being prepared for the unknown and the unknowable. Now, generally, when people hear this, uh, this idea of things being constantly varied uh, and this idea of things being unknown and unknowable, it comes up with this idea of that what we do within CrossFit should be random. And actually, far from it, things that we do within CrossFit shouldn't be random whatsoever. Variance and things being unknown and unknowable means exactly that. It just means that what we need to do needs to be varied to ensure that we are creating really well-rounded athletes. So this means that we want to be doing as many exercises as possible through as many different time domains as possible to make sure that we are training you in a really super well-rounded way. So how do we do that? Well, the first thing to do is to start with the end goal. What are we actually looking to achieve from programming for CrossFit? Well, I would suggest that's relatively simple. We're looking at getting people stronger and getting people fitter. Sounds simple in theory. Now all we need to do is to think about what are the steps that we need to do in order to get there. So first of all, well, how do you know if people are getting stronger and fitter? Remember, what we do is constantly varied. Therefore, the chance of you repeating similar workouts again are very slim. Unless you create measurable metrics for something. So, for example, you might be looking to improve a group's back squat. So what do you need to do? Well, you need their initial metric. What is their initial back squat? Once we understand what that initial metric is, we then know what it is we're looking to change, and we then program to that. So for example, if somebody is looking to improve their back squat, I will test their back squat. We will then look at running a program that is specific to improving their back squat, and then at the end of that, retest again so that we have a definite metric as to if we've improved, and if we have improved, how much we've improved by. If we haven't improved, or even if our, our numbers have gone down, then that's something that we can look at as well. What are the reasonings for that? Is that something that's down to the programming? So is it a failure through the programming? Is it a failure through adherence to the programs? Is it a simple thing of the athlete actually hasn't been doing the sessions that have been required of them? All of these things come into, into whether or not the program is going to be successful. And the metrics that we need to do need to be specific for CrossFit. So we take this end goal, this idea of getting people stronger and getting fitter, and now we make it smaller. So then we look at things like what are some potential upcoming events that we can then start to work towards. So for example, within CrossFit, we use the Open. Uh, you might have regular in-house competitions. It might be that, uh, that your box makes a big deal of, of perhaps a hero workout, so something like maybe a Murph workout. Um, every single year. From there, we then look at how long do we need in order to get ready for that event. 
and generally you're probably looking at four to 12 weeks um, to ensure that training is be becoming specific to that event. So for example, for Murph, um, for me personally and the way that I program, uh, if I know that I'm uh, gonna be programming Murph for the box, around about four weeks out or so, uh, I'm going to start to increase people's run volume. I'm going to start to increase their pull-up volume. I'm going to start to increase their pressing volume, their squatting volume under body weight to ensure that their tissue is going to be ready for that amount of volume that they're going to have to do in order to be ready for Murph. What I'm not going to do is rattle along with my regular programming, suddenly fire an absolute shit ton of volume at my athletes and then have them come out of it either injured due to something that's been overly repetitive or poor movement patterns, or them winding up with something like rhabdo because their body just simply isn't ready for that amount of volume. For something like prepping towards the CrossFit Open, um, really simple. We look at movements that are going to commonly be found within the Open. So we look at this historically. So I think in pretty much every single Open since the first Open, there's been burpees. So we know that leading into the CrossFit Open, burpees are going to be programmed. We know that thrusters are going to be programmed. We know that lifting under fatigue is going to be programmed. So we look at all these things. We look at things like what are, time do what are the common time domains uh, that tend to come up? So generally within the Open, you're probably looking at time domains between somewhere between 7 and 20 minutes. Uh, we look at common combinations of movements. So what are movements that tend to be put together? For example, thrusters and pull-ups or burpees and thrusters or rowing and warbles, whatever it might be, we look at what are some historical combinations, what's the interference of them, and look to replicate that. We look at different load schemes. So what are the load schemes that are used within CrossFit? What are the load schemes that are used in order to RX? What are the load schemes that are used in order to scale within the CrossFit Open? We practice them. So we practice going between those load schemes. We practice moving at those load schemes but also the ability to be able to make the jumps for the heavier lifts. So for example, generally for, um, for guys, for heavy cleans, uh, it works out at like a 62.5 and 85, 102 and a half, 120, 125, and then 142 or 143 uh, tends to be the common jumps. Therefore, we need to practice making those big jumps. It might be that you have you know, a one, four, five clean, but are you able to make that jump from 125 kilos to 145 kilos under a high degree of fatigue? And if not, then that's something that needs to be practiced if getting better at the open is something that we want to do. Other things that we do as well is perhaps look at practicing old open workouts. We know that every year there is a repeated workout and if we're able to practice those workouts over the course of time, then we are going to be getting better at open workouts. We're going to be getting better specific to what we are trying to achieve, which is a better result at the open. The other thing to look at then is, okay, well, what if there's no event? Or what if that next event is an incredibly long time domain off and into the future? Well, then we might look at it and say, okay, well, what as a whole does the box need in order to make improvements? Not the one or two individuals, but the box as a whole. And what is what is this as a good opportunity to then start to build on? So for example, it might be a really long time before the next event, and it may be that you've noticed that a lot of your athletes have really struggled through a strength section. So it might be that your bias is then gonna be, actually, do you know what? We simply just need to get a little bit stronger as a box. 
it might be that perhaps your, your athlete's movement patterns need to improve. So therefore, perhaps you need to take a little bit of time going back to basics and, and starting to re, re-drill those good movement patterns. It might be that you need to work on gymnastics a little bit more. Therefore, that's where your program bias is going. But again, it gives you this, this, this goal that you're working towards. So as a programmer, what is it I'm trying to achieve? Am I trying to get people stronger? Am I trying to get people to improve on their gymnastics? so that you can make something measurable from that. At that point, we then create a start point. So I'm looking to improve somebody's gymnastics. I'm looking to specifically improve their ability to be able to do pull-ups. So what might I look at to begin with? Okay, how many strict, unbroken strict pull-ups is my athlete able to do? Or are the athletes within my box able to do? It might be how many kipping pull-ups are they able to do? Or how many butterfly pull-ups are they able to do? Or is one of those a restriction? So for example, they may be able to kip, but they don't particularly have the skills yet to butterfly. Again, I'm now then gonna to program to this goal. My athletes need to improve their pull-ups. They may need to improve their strict strength or their actual, just their ability to perform the movement. Now I can program to that. How long do I spend programming on that? Well, that really depends on what the end goal is. So for example, trying to build somebody's strength is gonna be taking longer than perhaps getting somebody's movement mechanics a little bit longer. Or it might be the reverse as well. It might be that actually somebody can build strength incredibly quickly and their movement mechanics take longer. All of these things are going to be taken into account when starting to program a program cycle. We mentioned before at the start of the cycle, we create our initial tests and then in four, six, eight, 12, however many weeks it may be down the line, we retest and we retest under the same conditions to ensure that we are getting accurate results. Within CrossFit, there is always something to improve. You can always be stronger. You can always be fitter. You can always be faster. Your job as a coach is to is to look at it, look at your box, and to look at your athletes from that bird's eye perspective. What is it that my group as a whole requires to really progress them on? as opposed to what do those one to two athletes need to do in order to progress on. Those one to two athletes, what they perhaps might require is actually a little bit more individualized programming, which we'll come on to in just a second. The one thing that we really do need to be mindful of when programming is just overworking the same movement patterns and overworking the same exercises time after time after time. It's incredibly easy to just keep programming people hip hinging and squatting movements because we know that they work. I know that I can get people really fit just getting them doing thrusters and burpees. But just doing thrusters and burpees doesn't create a well-rounded athlete. It creates an athlete that's very good at thrusters and burpees who's very fit, but is really only good through thrusters and burpees. What happens when they have to perform other movements, that's when you're gonna start to see holes in their fitness. And this is why planning is so important and, in, and understanding where it is that you're going with your programming, because without that, it's incredibly easy just to start getting into this into this vortex of programming, and you find yourself programming the same things over and over and over again. And that's not necessarily programming the same things within the same week, but it's you start to notice programming patterns. As soon as you start to do that, that's when perhaps you've you've started to create this programming vortex where you are you are just starting to go around in circles and you are starting to program the same things over and over again. 
And there is a little bit of a time and place with this because it may be that actually the goal of the programming is to improve volume of a particular movement. And it might be that that takes the course of running that movement once or twice within a week as opposed to once in a two or three week cycle. Um, but again, that's dictated by what is it that the program is looking to achieve. And it should be a case of, if you are programming, that you're able to let your athletes know this. So if you know that there's a lot of warbles coming up, you should be able to tell your, ath your athletes as to why there's a lot of warbles. Is it that we're looking to improve the, the, your capacity to be able to manage warbles? Or is it just because I'm a horrible person that's just going to program loads of warbles for you? There should always be the reasoning behind what it is you're doing. Now for individual and competition programming, it actually doesn't really change a whole lot from the way that you program for the box, other than it is more specific to that individual. We still work off this idea of an end goal. So what is it that that athlete wants to achieve? Is it that they want to compete? If the athlete wants to compete, at what level do they want to compete? So is it that they're just quite happy being able to go rock up at a couple of local throwdowns and be able to perform well? Is it that they want to be able to work at a national level and perhaps go to um, higher level competitions? Is it that they want to be able to work at a sanctional level? Or is it that they want to go beyond that and that they want to perhaps start to look towards the gates? Real simple. Where is your athlete currently? Or where are you as an athlete currently? What do we do to determine that? We do testing. Once we've tested, we plot our results on a graph. How do we ensure that the testing is right? Well, we do it over the course of time. We do it over broad time, modal domains. We test different things like strength, capacity, mobility. What's your nutrition like? What's your recovery like? And all of these things can then get placed onto a graph. When we have an understanding as to where our start point is, we then look to say, what is it that we need to achieve in order for you to get to that goal? So. For example, if you want to compete at a sanctional level, what is it that you need to do to get from where you are currently to be at that level? And then really simple, we reverse engineer it. And we look at what it is that we need to do according to the graph in order to get us to that level. So for example, it might be that when we plot your graph that you're incredibly strong. You may be at an elite level for strength and that you can hang at a sanctional level with your Olympic lifts. However, it might be that your capacity isn't quite there yet, and therefore that's where the direction of our programming should be taken. It means you're not going to be getting a whole lot of fun from your programming. It means you're going to be getting a lot of shitty sessions working on your capacity. But that's what's going to be getting you closer towards your goal. Because we look at all these different aspects of fitness, it allows us to really identify where people's holes are within their fitness. And this is generally why individual programming yields better results than generalized box programming, simply because you're working specifically towards filling the holes within your fitness. Whereas at a box level, there are going to be workouts through the week that you can come in and you can absolutely crush because they are 100% within your wheelhouse. It's not necessarily something that you need to be working on to move your needle of fitness. However, from the individual standpoint, you're going to get very little of that. It's going to be really working to start to try and fill those holes to make sure that you are becoming that better rounded athlete faster. When programming on an individual basis, 
we still need to regularly test and to retest. However, it might be a little different to what we see at a box level. It might be that we have our initial testing which sets our, sets our initial pacing. That allows us to direct the programming in a particular way and we retest specific parts of that to ensure that we are moving the needle of that part of our fitness. It might be that actually the testing or the retesting comes in competition. So it might be that actually we look at it and say, right, we have a comp in 12 weeks time. We are gonna build everything we can towards that and we are gonna use that as our testing point. What we can do then is at your competition is look at your overall results. How did you fare in each one of the events? Did you find holes within your fitness within those events? If we found holes in the fitness with those events, then we can direct our programming again to looking to try to fill those holes a little better. The fewer holes we have, the smaller the gaps are within our fitness, the better we are as an athlete, the stronger, the fitter, the healthier we are gonna be. That's all for today. I really hope this has been a useful insight into understanding how programming goes for both at a box level, uh, but also as an individual level. As ever, if you have any questions regarding this or any of the other podcasts, or you just want to reach out, um, hit us up on our usual social media channels. So give us a like on Facebook, The Strength Lab. Uh, give us a, a follow on Instagram at the underscore strength underscore lab. Uh, and I'll see you again next week. If you've got any suggestions for future podcasts, again, please just give us a shout. See you next time.